Did I ever tell you about the time when I purchased a high-end dress shirt online and my credit card company froze my credit card Aww. and called me on the phone? Were they like, they were like, no one gets a shirt. They were like, like sir, this is fraud. No, it's just me trying to buy something that's not $40. <laughs> Very, 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 <laughs> very sad. Oh, sad for you. They're like, go back to the working class. You are listening to weird religion. It sent me back hardcore. <laughs> My name is Brian Doak. I'm Leah Payne. This is Weird Religion. Podcast for people who know religion is weird, but love it anyway. Speaking of getting your credit card frozen. Okay. Revival. At Asbury University, <laughs> 2023. Great transition. Great transition. Um, it doesn't have to make sense. I think you mean hashtag Asbury Revival 2023. Oh, it's a, what? Like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Well, hashtag? well, um, I, you know, it's true, folks. Um, you may or may not have seen a news story that there is a good old fashioned revival happening in Kentucky, in Wilmore, Kentucky. Um, but the reason why you might have heard about it because it's really spread quickly through the magic of social media. Okay. We got to come back to that. And I want to ask you about how that happens and sure. why that happens. But first, let's do a little history with a real scholar of charismatic and Pentecostal movements, Dr. Leah Payne, <laughs> with publications, major publications, even with words like revival and things. And oh, yeah. The title. This is your thing. This is a moment. Oh, this is this is fun. Do you know that Leah Payne even had on Fox News? They even used one of Leah Payne's tweets. I could in one not of their believe it. You know what? There's a funny thing. So it was a tweet about this. We can probably put it in the show notes. Um, I thought of it as a very neutral tweet. It was an observation, and the observation was that I'm headed to your Twitter page now. <laughs> okay. It says scenes from Asbury revivals, 1970 and 2023. Methodists know how to revive exclamation point. And then there's two pictures uh-huh. of people in the same chapel, uh-huh. one in 1971 and 2023 uh-huh. doing revival. And all I, you know, my intention was to say, look, this thing is happening again. It's happened many times before. And I put a link be- below that to um, news stories from uh, going back to, I think as, as early as 1905, this mm-hmm. particular college campus, this particular place has been host to many revival meetings. Yep. And what I, I didn't know that it had gone into a news source because sometimes journalists will do that and mm-hmm. you don't know. Mm-hmm. And then, but I started getting like really off brand comments below mm-hmm. my post because I have a pretty peaceful, I'm not a combative Twitter presence. But people started really duking it out, like very, very aggressive, angry conversations. We're going to have to get into this. This is public, <laughs> by the way. This is, it's you public. Can, you can look yeah. at this. We'll post in the show notes. Okay. I just stopped responding. Let's come back like, to this. You get, y'all can argue yourselves. Okay. Let's do, a, let's do a classic loop here. Yes. Let's do a, a cliffhanger. And now we love it. Now we go sideways in a different direction. And we're going to come back to this. So yes. don't, don't worry. We're going to get into the Twitter okay. debate, et cetera. Okay. Here's what I want to ask you, though. What if somebody's listening to this and they're like, I'm not totally sure what a revival is. Oh, right. They're kind of like bopping their head to the music on the side and they're like, ha, ah, I don't know what this song is. Right. What's, what is, what, like, what does this mean? What That's is a, such what, a great what question. What is a revival? So, you know, one thing I've noticed through this is there's, there are many ways to define what a revival is and I'll tell you how I think of it and then I'll tell you how I think that's different from how it often gets used. Okay. I think of it as a particular style of Christian worship and 
spiritual formation practice. Mm -hmm. So kind of the, the textbook definition is this idea that there are um, Christians who believe that American, at least in the United States, that American Protestantism is usually Protestant Mm -hmm. is somehow dying and Mm -hmm. needs an injection of new life. And so these meetings represent, or they're presented as evidence of the awakening power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God. Now, this is to crucial. Bring a dead thing to life. This is crucial here. Can we, I, I want to pause on this point and ask you to follow up on that that point. Mm-hmm. It's not. Is this is this accurate? It's not as though, in the view of the revival, it's not as though the thought is that, hey, everyone, let's have a meeting. You know, we really need to revive this. Let's do this. The idea is that it's something supernatural. Well, that now, happens involuntary among a group this that is God a, decides to do that the group did not decide to do. Is that correct? It depends on who you ask. Oh. So, so yes, there are some revivalists who argue that it is God, like straight. You know, it, it's all God. Who knows how this happens, but for God. 100% God, 0% people. Others argue that, and and one famous person who argued this was a Presbyterian minister, Charles Finney, who argued that you ought to, if you um, did a series of practices in a particular way, it would create revival. I see. So we have a cough here. We both have coughs. It's allergy related. Deal I'm with sorry. It. We're just yes. going to keep doing it. Yes, yes. Um, but anyhow, so I, what I want to say about the re- yep. uh, revivalism, like revival is a, a specific set of practices. They're like recognizable. Yeah. So revivalist practices usually include some sort of public individual conversion, okay. something displayed at, at, in a practice called an altar call. Yep enthusiasm. I come forward. I, I, maybe I'm feeling bad about my spiritual life. I've been far from God. They're like, you know what? If you want to change that, you right now come forward. Right now, right yep, now, don't yep. think. And you come forward. And that is usually executed by a preacher yep. who preaches. He usually has some sort of biblical, like Bible lesson message for people. I might play some scenes back in the background of the Asbury Revival. Yes. Sounds and sights and so- sounds as you talk. Yep. So just FYI. And also a set of practices that were seen by many and are often seen by outsiders as scandalous in some sort of way. So mm-hmm. crying, laughing, shouting, wailing, mm. fainting, dancing, you know, lifting your hands. That yes. is kind of, those are like the signature practices. Okay. I'm looking at a video now. It says it's captioned chapel ended 80 hours ago. Revival didn't. The idea being that they had a chapel service. So this is like what you're saying. They stopped the service, but people are singing. They're moving their hands. Well, we're going to post some of this stuff. Yes. Yes. What about what about even more spectacular things like the number one hit here on the on the YouTube shorts is so demon woman's demon manifests. <laughs> what is a demon manifestation in the context of a revival? Well, see, I think what's what's worth noting about the Asbury revival meeting mm-hmm. so far is it has been noticeably non-charismatic. So these kind of things I wouldn't expect to have happened at the Asbury meeting. They're confronting the demon in the video right now. This is not Asbury though. This is Asbury. Is it? Yes, it is. Okay. Demon manifests at the Asbury revival. Okay. Listen. I'm super surprised. That's the demon responding. She, it was shrieking. Whoa. That's the chapel, Okay, right? when is this? When is this? I actually don't know. But it's, okay. No, this is part of the stream of the stuff. Yeah, no, it's definitely the right um, location. So that would mean, that would say to me, mm-hmm. at least I've never, I haven't been, but that would say to me that we're seeing kind of an escalation in 
charismatic practices. That's why I got kind of excited about it. And listeners, I walked over and looked over Brian's shoulder because for the most part, it's been very low key and Mm -hmm. not um, using the practices associated with charismatic or Pentecostal services. So Mm -hmm. lots of singing, emotive singing, but not necessarily um, like loud speaking in tongues, no exorcisms, no... Um, right. To my knowledge, no divine healing. And I'm just basing this on secondhand accounts, but I know sure. a couple of the people who've gone down there. So I think it's fascinating to know that perhaps the expressions are escalating a little bit yeah. and getting amped kind of up. edging out into some of the more edgier um, revival territory. Yes. But what you're doing, okay, you're being a good scholar here, what I notice. I'm just noticing out loud for the audience okay. here. <laughs> you are, you're defining revival as a set of practices. You're avoiding trying to, to you know talk as, as a scholar wouldn't, basically try to be like a revival is a special time when God has an inbreaking. It's like, here are practices that are occurring and you're citing the debate between people who would say some people who would want to define it as like a hundred, like Charles Finney, right. Who's a revivalist himself. Right. hundred percent God versus like, is it 20% people, 80% God? It's just like, there are practices associated with this. And to be clear, Finney was all about setting the stage with prescriptive practices to create Mm-hmm. revival moments mm-hmm. and to to set the mood to where people were ready for conversion so the the kind of mega church stuff that you see today where they turn the lights down low the, yes. the music swells the blah 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 all of that is the kind of stuff that finney if any were alive today would have promoted mm-hmm. so there's always a weird tension even in groups that do all of those things because they want to say, on the one hand, this is all God, this is just us. But they also want to, I think, you know, kind of thinking about it, giving them the most sympathetic read is like, we want to set the stage so as many people as possible can can be inspired to, right. you know, turn toward God in, in a particular way. It might be to convert. It might be to right. return if you've already converted at some point. Mm-hmm. But I think what you're saying is true. I don't feel equipped as a historian to adjudicate right, whether right. or not God is actually not going to go in there. this stuff. No, but it's not a thing. Others have tried to adjudicate it, however. Oh, many. Um, <laughs> others have tried. Now, I want to read beneath your tweet. Scenes from okay. Asbury Revivals, 1970 and 2023. Methodists know how to revive. That's the most innocent tweet I think I've ever seen. <laughs> I was excited about it. I was like, how fun. A Methodist it's revival. It's a very Leah tweet. You got to follow me on Twitter. This is not a controversial Twitter feed. She I'm a will... cheery t- tweeter. <laughs> She's a cheery tweeter. This is positivity. <laughs> I try. Um, first, someone's like, should also point out that while there are many Methodists who attend Asbury, it's not technically an affiliated <laughs> school. <laughs> so it's like, okay, not getting in the weeds there. Right. I think, you know, I think that the spirit of that was not super, I think, you know, I would, I would rescript that. It was like, I should also point out, mm-hmm. I think it was like, contra- I'm, I'm going to give it, give that one a really generous read, but I should also point out it's not affiliated. But then I did say, I think it, I mean, it's, you know, the historic identity of the school is Methodist. I don't even want to get into the weeds about that, yeah. but yes. Yep. Okay. Now a lot of people are saying, love it, love this kind of stuff. Um, love the revival. However, we've got somebody in here who's maybe not all for it. Yep. What does this person say? This person says, call me cynical, but at some point the grifters are going to show up if they haven't already. Right. Have the, have the grifters shown up? Oh yeah, for sure. What's a grifter in this context? Um, well, I mean, I think I, I'll, I won't say grifter, but I'll say opportunists okay. have shown up. I think of, I don't know, this is how I think of it. I think mm. of this as a, it's a student led thing as I understand it. So we're talking 18 to 22 year old um, undergraduates and seminary and then some older seminarians who are a part of it. Mm-hmm. 
So they are, if we think about this in terms of, I don't know, the sporting world, they're mm-hmm. amateurs. I see. Right? So then professional revivalists, and maybe for those of you listening, you may not know that there those people exist, but they do, mm-hmm. where they make most of their living, and some of them make quite a lot of money mm-hmm. promoting revival. So there was a revivalist named Jesse Green, who's actually from Southern California. She's been weighing in. Carrie Job, very famous worship leader, um, Kate drove to, she filmed herself. This is a classic I professional saw short, revivalist. You had this on your Instagram stories, her <laughs> yes. driving. She says something oh, yes. too, but she's kind of looking in awe as she drives uh-huh. by. It's a very revivalist. It's it's a very, you know, it's attracting, she's a huge celebrity. It's attracting, it's attracting Christian celebrities yeah. to come and be associated with this event. And the professional class, you know? So it's like, yes. you, you have to be really excellent at your craft to make all of your money doing that. Carrie Jobs is an incredible singer, very successful songwriter, mm-hmm. um, worship leader. So I I think it is interesting. There's a something that's run in a really low key way, mm-hmm. and then then you get like the pros that come in. <laughs> yeah, this is my take on it. Oh, no. I mean, maybe that's a little bit cynical. We're but, here. Well, speaking yeah. of, what would you say about this? Here's somebody on your on your Twitter thread. I'm getting a lot of mileage sure. off just this thread. Oh, there's someone a lot says there. many documented examples of mass hysteria events in all religions. Oh this yeah, this is nothing new. True or false? Is ma- is this? Are there many documented examples of mass hysteria in religions? And like, is that like in what sense would a person, could a person think of this as a non supernatural mass hysteria? Oh yeah. You know, I mean, well you, your, your work goes back farther than mine, but I think it's a common critique to say that these people are, I would do some gender criticism about using the word hysterical. Comes from a word, ancient Greek word for womb, womb, which was assumed to be wandering throughout the body in antiquity. It's so fascinating. Aristotle. Um, but anyhow, so yes, I, I you know, th- this idea that, that what's happening is in some way like a psychological delusion or mm-hmm. even like a mass crime, you know, like people are being brainwashed or whatever. That I think that revivalists, it's almost like a revival didn't happen if it didn't also have haters. Yes. You know, so you got to have like the opponents. Every American revivalist it's like Pentecost, that I've ever studied. Book of Acts. Exactly. Some people said they're drunk. You got to have hecklers. You got to have like those two Muppets that oh. are in this. What are the Muppets on the top? In the yeah, stage? yeah, 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 yeah. Those, the, the grouchy, those, grouchy. Those grouchy old grouchy. guys. Like every revival grouchy. meeting has some of those. So, we, so there are people listening right now. They're like, you don't even you know don't the even name know. of the grouchy balcony Muppets. It's Statler and Waldorf. Statler and Waldorf. That okay. I, I get, you don't know. Don't tweet I, us. We know what it is. It's I Statler and Waldorf. <laughs> I post about charismatics and Pentecostals a lot on my feed, and it's very common to get someone who I don't know saying something like mass hysteria or whatever. That's yeah, like yeah. a common response. Yep. I'm looking at Statler and Waldorf here. <laughs> so um, I'm going to get sidetracked. They're, here they are talking. They're a little crowd. The medium sketch. They're a little medium gro- sketch? Yeah, it wasn't rare, and it certainly wasn't well done. Okay, so they're, they're a little That's grouchy. That's funny. Okay. Yeah. Um, we should what model are, ourselves after them. What Sorry. are... What have been, I, I guess we're getting a little bit of a, t- so I'm getting a taste already of two of the criticisms one might have, but I bet you've also got some more subtle, I mean, really listeners aren't going to come here for the, the, the down the middle criticisms. Right. They, they want some boutique weird criticisms that have happened. So two of the, the, the down the middle ones to summarize have been already suggested. Number one, this is an, this becomes like a celebrity event. Yes. That is something people can cash in on. Mm-hmm. Obviously mm-hmm. then it's going to be subject to the dynamics of the capitalist market and not the spirit of God. Mm-hmm. The other being that like, yeah, this is just like secular mass hysteria. If a person's kind of like screaming, I mean, we know that there are documented 
you know, in the in the medieval period, there was like a 400 year problem with like this involuntary dancing craze. Oh, I love it. That Those happened. are Pentecostals before Pentecostal. Pentecostal before Pentecostal, the medieval <laughs> dancing craze. I love so like, it. we know that there are, you know, our, there is no mind body dichotomy. Our minds are, are our bodies. Like mm-hmm. I don't have a body. There's no I that has a body. It's just right. like, I, I am a body, I, you know? So we know this and we know that there can be things like this, I guess. So those would be two obvious ones, but what Mm -hmm. are some more, what are you seeing on Twitter and in various places? Like what are some of the more boutique criticisms people are making? Mm, Let's say. That's a good question. Um, Okay. So go ahead. Like, like for instance, I'm like teeing it up now. Like I've noticed that people have made comments about like socioeconomics and race. Yes. Yes. Um, I think, you know, one, uh, yes, people have pointed out that this happened, this happened at a predominantly and historically white evangelical college so it's a private school and the audience is predominantly white and to afford to be able to afford to go to school there is in itself a big privilege and so um there have been many criticisms of the gathering which it's really interesting to me It, it it's objectively true that it's a predominantly white audience historically white um and i i think what's behind it i don't know everyone's um reasoning for point for um, leveraging that as a criticism. But I think what is behind that is the idea that um, that revi- revivals are either authentic or inauthentic. Mm-hmm. And authenticity has certain requirements. Like it should look a particular way. It should lead to a particular action if it's authentic. And by authentic, I mean like truly from God. Mm-hmm. So even the, the arguments that make point out rightly that this is a group that has on the whole a significant amount of class privilege race you know um socioeconomic and i think what's behind that is this isn't really from god because if it was from god it wouldn't look like that i think is the idea the idea is like hey isn't it weird that like when god decides to send a a real revival he sends it a bunch down to a bunch of middle and upper middle class white kids. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, to be fair, I think one of the things about a lot of, you know, forms of a revivalism is that it does take spare time. You know, if you have a job. Right. So my, my. Yeah. You can't sit at the altar for 80 hours. My friend, uh, Jonathan Calvillo posted a, a really helpful thread mm. that um, I, I thought spoke to that. He's a sociologist of religion at uh, Candler School of Theology, and he talks about, um, he has a thread and it says, some thoughts on revival from a sociologist of religion with deep roots in Latino Pentecostalism. And he goes on to talk about the material and cultural capital that are required to put on these lengthy revival meetings Mm -hmm. and how non-white and especially working class folks don't have the resources to put that on. So they may be experiencing tremendous amounts of, you know, spiritual renewal and revival, but they also have to go to work. You know, they also have to um, feed their families and stuff like that. So I think that's a really important thing to point out that this practice itself assumes a certain amount of spare time, a certain amount of um, financial stability and, you know, um, a inability to put off certain other responsibilities for a time away. So I think that's really important. Um, I don't know necessarily that it's a criticism. It's just an important observation to make about the kinds of folks who can 
afford to do these really mm-hmm. dramatic yep. eight day. So far, we're an eight day revival. Yep. I'm um, looking at some of Jonathan Calvillo's comments here on this. We'll, we'll try to post some things. Okay. What yes, about this? Great Let's talk about the music. I know this is something you enjoy. I love it. Um, someone said on here, on, on your Twitter, I'm still, still getting mileage off of this. Oh yeah, there's a lot there. Someone seems to be attributing the revival to the type of music that they're playing oh, and yeah. says the following. Part of it, I suspect, is the, quote, non-rock culture music. Now, notice many of the hymns and the things they're playing. I'll play some of this, like How Great Thou Art. Right. So, in case you don't know, this is a Christian standard song. This is not contemporary, four on the floor. No. This is like Pulse, you know, Elvis, DJ style. Elvis did a great version. This is, this is Elvis. So this is what the person referring to it says. Part of it, I suspect, is the non-rock culture music, meaning they don't do very loud rock music renditions of worship songs. This afflicts wild guests. Afflicts, yes. 98% of churches. It's so odd. You see congregations with majority over 40, and yet music is still nightclub loud with wailing guitar. I actually thought that comment was so funny. What, what do you think about that? Like, what's this person saying? Like, I, I think they make a, a really funny, if an interesting point about... Okay, so I'll just riff on that. I think they're pointing out the fact that in many predominantly white evangelical congregations, mm-hmm. rock, rock bands are the prevailing style yeah. that is present in on a Sunday morning. So if you were to go to the average worship service, you would expect... A guitar, drums, probably probably a keyboardist, a couple backup singers. Um, you know, if you if you've experienced it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And this commenter is attributing some of the success to the lo-fi, yeah. low tech. Yep. Um, I you know I was talking with somebody today who pointed out that there was no overhead. Like you didn't notice. I'm looking in the chapel right now. Where, how great is our God? Where by are the Chris Tomlin? Yeah. No overhead, no lyrics. No. Yeah. So I think this is. I think there might be something there to the idea that something that is refreshing about it for people is Mm -hmm. that it is a much older practice of just people getting together and also the kind of the, the amateur quality. And I mean, amateur in a technical sense, you know, the word amateur means for the love, right? Like you do it for the love, not for um, professional, you know, aims or whatever and so there's a, i'm not saying that they're not good there's some no really no no. Good. i mean you can hear i mean you can hear the voices let's yeah, listen they to can the voices well. some people harmonizing so you could hear the acoustic guitar there just yes. simply led this is kind of like a contemporary worship song but it's one that's kind of become canon now in terms yeah of it's being, at least 20 years old yeah um so so yes they they sang a lot of songs that was not the hip songs and it was not so right now as we speak in fact i will look it up but getting a ticket to see one of the top worship bands in the country oh my gosh is very expensive oh my gosh um okay while you look that up yeah take a second come back to that i'll let me read another tweet Someone says, do they still enforce Asbury's, quote, holy split, where men and women can't sit, walk, or socialize together from (laughs) dawn to dusk on Sundays? Now, people respond. Someone says, they know what they signed up for. This person's referring to the (gasps) fact that at many Christian colleges, especially older style ones, especially in the South and the Midwest, there are often strict curfews and and gender norms. Someone says here, as far as I know, nope. So that's probably something Asbury used to do a long Uh time ago. uh And then someone says, uh, oh, please, why so negative? It's not about race or gender. It's about the love of God. I pray you will come into your heart and open your eyes to see. 
So that's a fan of the revival there. Uh, Someone else says, why do you ask? Well, why do you ask is it's a little bit of snark. It's like saying, you know, what's going to happen? Well, okay, there is, there is, there are romantic aspects to revivalism. I have heard, I've not heard like studies on this, like you would know, but like I've heard that birth rates kicked up after the Azusa Street revival. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, people. I mean, I would not be surprised. I don't know if that's true, but I love it. I love it. Yes. I mean, I think there's a fine line. What I think is so fascinating about the kind of mystical union that is often Mm -hmm. celebrated at revival meetings. It's like not a super far reach to like the kind of mystical union that humans Mm. experience in like in, in the act of sex. So it's, there's something, and, and many criticisms um, are lobbed at revivalists Mm. because they sort of blur that line a little bit, which is nothing new in the Christian tradition. I mean, I have my students read mystics and oftentimes my students who are very worldly people, you know, who've been around the block are a little bit blushing when they read people like Teresa Vavala. So I, uh, yes, yes. Um, by the way, I, I looked it up. So if we wanted to go take a weird religion trip to see elevation worship, we could pay, which is probably one of the biggest, it's one of the biggest worship acts around right now. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you elevation worship, Maverick city, those folks can go toe to toe with any large scale touring band. Like mm-hmm. the production quality is amazing the musicianship they're excellent they're as good as any mainstream band mm-hmm. it would cost for for good seats for nice seats it would cost us 219 dollars each to worship the lord together mm-hmm. so i think I, you could interpret I, asbury this yes. kind of thing as a little bit now this is a predominantly white evangelical conversation there's no doubt about it mm-hmm. but i think you could interpret this in some way as a um, I don't know if backlash, that's too strong of a word, but as a counterpoint to mm-hmm. the professional worship class and, and just the extreme production mm-hmm. that goes into it. They're thrilling productions. I've seen them on social media. I, I, I've seen some $200 of these, is too much for I've me. I've seen right? some of these things back in my day. I had not recently. Let me ask this question. They're as amazing. We, yeah. As we close in the last three minutes, I have seen on Twitter and I can imagine one question that people are going to be asking. So play the role of a futurist here or, or like a good politician defer and a good scholar defer the question. Defer. <laughs> That's which, probably what I'll do. Which is this issue. Many people are going to say things like, okay, the, the, the emotional and physical excitement is great. It's fine. But people will say what we need to see is where this goes in the long term. Mm-hmm. Does this result in lives that are actually changed? Does this result, does this, does this, um, does this result in basically people feeding the hungry and helping the poor and classic, what you might call like social gospel elements. And I, I, I hear people saying that, or is this going to be a quote evangelical thing that is all about like mental and verbal ascent in a moment and then basically kind of like goes away and basically any kind of more liberal progressive mainliner is just not going to get what they want out of a, out of a revival like this. Oh Wait, so what is the question? Is that the question is what's the what's the future of this? Like is this oh. so I, I hear progressive Christians saying this is all great, but unless it leads to right, socially right. minded stuff, it's all meaningless. Is it going to lead to that kind of stuff or are progressives going to be disappointed in the outcome of something like this? I'm gonna give the most frustrating response probably. Um, which is to say I knew you would. <laughs> I don't I I truly because revival meetings are um, the, the structure, the, because of the way that they're structured, I don't even know how you would measure that. So 
I, you know, I think you'd have to, in order to say what the results would be, you'd have to have clearer results. So is it going to be the student body is going to do a particular thing? But the thing about these meetings, and I think that's so attractive about them, is that they feel spontaneous even when they're not. And it is a low, low barrier, low responsibility form. So I don't know how you would even track that stuff. Um, what's fascinating, I think, is what a contested category of authentic, like what, what, how contested the measures of authenticity are. So everyone has an idea of what would equal authentic revival. And I'm very much, I, I don't know, you know, I, I'd like to ask you this as a religion scholar. I'm sort of like, I don't know how you could even measure. I'm skeptical of the category of authenticity. Yes, except I, I understand. And I'm also skeptical, except for average people. I know. We're being elitist mm-hmm. here. That issue of authenticity and there is exactly what everyone is, thinks they're participating in and cares about. True. It's true. It's only that. It's true. That's the only measure. So what you're saying cannot be a measure, isn't the measure, is literally the only measure for every participant. Well, I just mean that there's sort of a purity test for it. So it's like if someone went to this revival, did one thing that I think is morally praiseworthy, another thing that I don't, then I would say that wasn't an authentic. And I just think people are so complex. They are. So I guess I'm sort of more agnostic about it. I hear what you're saying. This has been a production of Weird Religion. A podcast for people who know religion is weird but love it anyway. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram. Follow us into the ocean. Allow your heart to blossom. Retreat into the gorgeous and haunted forests of your mind. Find us there.